Welcome to the Rhythm Changes Podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. I'm your host and the founder of Rhythm Changes, Will Chernoff. We're all trying to find our paths and figure out where we belong, who are our role models, which track is right for me to develop my career or to further it in some way. And this conversation is a lot about that, but it's also kind of silly talking about different venues and instruments. It's the kind of comprehensive chat that I'm really grateful people lend their time towards. So as always, settle in and enjoy. Our guest today is a vocalist who has had as exceptional a 2021 as anyone in Vancouver jazz. First, she released an album titled Autumn Nocturne with guitarist Alvin Brendan and bassist Michael Wagler. Then she performed at the Vancouver Jazz Festival and graduated from Catalano University's Jazz Studies program. And then, this fall, she will perform at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival, where she is the recipient of a Rising Star Award, And finally, she'll continue her training and education at the University of BC. You can find her on Instagram under her own name and stream her album, Autumn Nocturne, anywhere. So we welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Amber Sang. Thank you so much. Thanks, Will. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I have a funny story about brass instruments, though, and I know you also play trumpet. Yeah, well, I'm, I would love to hear it. <laughs> well, I said I would fill in with a community band here in the West. So my friend Steve, earlier this week, he showed up at my house and he dropped off a trombone. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. What did you do? <laughs> okay, well, I've played brass instruments maybe 10 years ago plus. Okay, all right. <laughs> but other than that, nothing. No experience. I have a little goal for myself uh, that I told him about for two weeks. I'm going to show up and see what I can do. So what do I do? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's amazing. Have you had a rehearsal yet or anything? No, I've got, well, now less than two weeks to uh, ask for help and see how much (laughs) practice I can give myself before I show up. But I know whatever condition I show up in, it'll be positive. So I can't lose. That's, yeah, well, that that sounds like a good experience, honestly. Do you think I should just try playing on the mouthpiece first of all? Yeah, I would definitely try doing some buzzing on the mouthpiece first to kind of, you know, get your previous brass chops warmed up a little from 10 years ago. That's very generous of you to say that I have those. I- <laughs> Just mouthpiece maybe for a couple days. Then I got to get the slide positions down. And then I'm going to show up. And as long as I can still make a sound at that point, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, just try your best. You know, (laughs) what else can you do, right? Where did trumpet fit in for you? You've had several years learning timeline now. When did you start that in relation to voice? Um, I started playing trumpet in grade nine. So also in high school. I started off in grade eight playing um, tenor saxophone, which was not the instrument for me. (laughs) But um, yeah, started playing trumpet in grade nine. And I I kind of fell in love with playing in in concert band and in jazz band. It was 
it was such a different experience um, than being in a vocal ensemble, which I loved. Um, yeah, and I, I continued playing it through high school. And when I came to CAP, I was lucky enough to to play in one of their big bands, which was, I I was like, you know, super happy to be able to do that, um, to kind of keep playing trumpet through university. And, and now I'm in The Leading Ladies, led by Casey and... And I, for a bit, I was also in the Brentwood big band as well. So I feel really lucky that I've been able to to be in all these groups on an instrument that's not the voice. So what's leading ladies like? What's that experience like? It's great. I get to play with all these amazing ladies that I went to school with from CAP. Um, it's just a really good, supportive environment. And Casey's amazing. She... She's done a great job leading the band, getting us gigs and stuff. So it's it's just been a lot of fun to play with them. You took piano lessons at a young age. When did you fully appreciate the value of doing that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not until way later. I I started taking piano lessons when I was probably around like three years old. So back then I was just kind of something, you know, my parents had me do and I went along with it because what else are you supposed to do, right? I definitely did not appreciate it through high school. It was a chore to me (laughs) back then. But after getting into university and, you know, realizing how much having piano as kind of a foundation for reading and like ear training, all that stuff for singing, I realized that you know, I would never go back and undo that. You know, I was so grateful to have that many years of piano under my belt. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, learning tunes or all that stuff because it was it was easy because I played the piano. You know, even though I was only there for one year, what my favorite class from CAP was? Was it the piano? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really appreciated that because I didn't have that background and I could tell that the people who took the piano lessons from early on, they were maybe bored by that part of the experience and it definitely wasn't their favorite thing, but they had learned something that I still had to figure out, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, even like, you know, kind of jazz piano is very different from classical piano, which is the, the background that I grew up with. So when I went to CAP, I took some secondary PMIs also with with Jen Scott and just to kind of get that um, the jazz piano thing under my fingers. It's, it's hard cause I'm, I've grown up, you know, reading the music and that's all you play what's written instead of, you know, coming up with things on the go and, and everything. Did you play a lot of music at your high school? Yeah, I did actually. I, I, I was really lucky to have an amazing high school program uh, at Point Grey. And um, I was involved in the choir there and the band, the jazz band and the the vocal jazz as well. So I spent most of my (laughs) time in high school doing music things. (laughs) And you also sang in the Vancouver Youth Choir. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I joined the Vancouver Youth Choir in grade 10 when it started. And it's it's been an amazing experience just being able to kind of be in a choir throughout high school and university. Are you still in the group? I still am, yeah. So last year probably would have been my last year, but because of COVID, I, I didn't really want like an online Zoom year to be my 
my last experience with the group. So I decided to stay one more year. What kind of an impact has Carrie Tennant had on you? A huge, huge impact. Just watching her conduct, I feel like is so valuable, especially, um, you know, I'm going to do my practicum next year and to become a, a music educator and, you know, conducting comes with that whole package. So I feel like just being in the choir for a couple years has, has been a really valuable experience. Some of these people show up in multiple places, right? So you've got people from CAP and then you've got Vancouver Youth Choir and maybe other groups too. And maybe you make a friend somewhere and then they show up somewhere else. Do you get that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Who are some of the people that have followed you through like multiple things? So um, one of the people I can think of that's actually in all three of those ensembles that you listed is um, Sophia Avellino. She she goes to CAP with me. I I actually met her before we went to CAP, but um, so she joined the Vancouver Youth Choir a little later, and we were both at CAP together, and we were both in the leading ladies, so there was a point uh, in time a couple years ago where I was seeing her, like, every day, <laughs> which was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> but yeah, it was a little crazy. We were just doing all the same things. There's something about that that you just can't fake. Like when you spend that much time doing those kind of things with people, that's when you really kind of dig in. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree. So what are any other reflections you might have on your overall time at CAP? Being kind of thrown into CAP in my second year because I transferred from UFT was kind of a nice fresh start to like jazz and music and I kind of fell in love with that again when I started taking PMI with with Mary Jo, Mary Jo Bishop and she kind of, you know, she kicked my butt and told me <laughs> all the things that I was bad at which was really helpful for me to to kind of grow. Um I wouldn't really change anything with my time at Cap. I I was really lucky in my second year to be in an ensemble with Rajon right before he retired. And I'm I'm so grateful that I got to experience Nightcap with him. And that was just more than anything I could have hoped for coming to Cap. So that was a highlight for sure. What was your experience like at U of T? I think I learned a lot from being there. Um about myself and about kind of the environment there as well. Um, I did make some good friends, which I'm, of course, grateful for. I just don't think the environment was right for me. Uh, there were, it was not, it was not a very diverse program. So I was like maybe one of like three other Asian students at the time when I was in undergrad. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a, a shock to me, I guess. And, you know, there weren't a lot of women in that program either. So that was that was another thing that took me by surprise a little bit. I think there were maybe like 11 women in a program of, you know, 200 or something like that. Right. So I think, you know, I, I had some experiences there that I didn't really enjoy. And I was kind of on the edge of, you know, coming back to Vancouver, just because also like Vancouver is my home. 
Like, I, I missed it. <laughs> Toronto's a very big city, so I wasn't super used to that. But it was mainly just the experiences I had at the school that I um, I didn't love. So I, you know, decided to come back, and I, I ended up loving my time at CAP, and I made great friends, and, you know, it was such a supportive environment. So I think it was the right choice. <laughs> nice. I appreciate you sharing that. Thanks. Yeah. So I just had Will Clements on a little while ago, and you're kind of in the same cohort area. And one of the things that he said about his time at CAP recently was he just feels like he lucked out and he he ended up being surrounded by quite a remarkable group of people that just all happen to be in the same cohort here. Are you part of this too? Do you also feel this? Totally, totally. Our year as as a whole, um, I mean, I met them all in second year, so I feel like everyone was kind of settled a little bit. But everyone was really supportive and just, you know, wanted everyone else to do good. And it just felt like a really good environment to be in. Um, students and, you know, teachers and our mentors, just everyone at the time. It, I, yeah, same as Will. I felt lucky to be there. A lot of my CAP guests who have graduated in the last five or 10 years say that when they got into the music, they felt really behind and they felt like other people were more advanced than them. Did you feel that way or differently? Uh, I did feel that way when I first got there, for sure. Um, your training at my old school that I transferred from was, was quite different. So the ear training class at CAT was a bit of a, a shock. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I, I felt really like, you know, everyone had taken first year ear training, so they had the the background, and I was kind of just jumping in. I've never had like a huge jazz background um, growing up, so I think that is another thing that made me feel a little bit behind. You know, I loved listening to pop music, though. That's kind of the the music that I grew up with. You know, my family isn't huge on music, but you know, my sister gave me her iPod when I was younger. So I had all her music on there. <laughs> so that's kind of what I started listening to. Yeah, that's kind of what I what I uh, grew up on. And then when I got into high school, I was introduced to jazz and all this different kind of like musical theater, all this different kind of music. So I started loving it all. <laughs> Were you singing in musical theater at your school? I wasn't actually. When they did the musical theater production, I was just joining choir. So I was actually playing in the in the pit on trumpet. <laughs> I love it. I remember at my high school, they did two musicals while I was there because at the time they were trying to do one every other year. Nice, yeah. Both musicals. I auditioned for a role or for the chorus and I got cut from that. And I auditioned for the pit band and I got cut from that both <laughs> no times. Way! both times oh my gosh no way i don't believe it <laughs> what productions were they uh they were bye bye birdie and greece oh wow well they they made they made a wrong decision clearly <laughs> oh no i i mean <laughs> of course they did <laughs> uh at the time i just remember thinking well yeah this is awesome i mean that's where i felt behind Everybody around me is so good. I got to catch up, you know. I really felt behind, but in a good way. Yeah. Can I ask about your album? 
Of course. Now that you can look back to January when you put it out and before that when you made it, how do you feel about the project? Honestly, it feels like it was so long ago. It's, I mean, I guess that's a, a COVID side effect, but it feels like Alvin and I were talking about it. We were just kind of talking about it like it was this this idea that we had that wasn't wasn't anything super serious or super planned out. And then all of a sudden we just started, everything started rolling. We started kind of getting things together and it, it felt like it went by so quickly that, you know, like we, we recorded, we got everything out, we took photos and planned the release. And it was just, it was so fast. I, it was just us kind of trying to figure out everything for the first time, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but Dave, our, our mixer and engineer, he was really, really helpful in the process. Like he pretty much told us everything that we needed to know and anything that we had a question about just because it was so new to us. He, he really helped us out. I think for the next project, we'd consider, you know, getting a grant for funding and kind of planning that stuff a little bit further ahead. This one felt a little bit like it was kind of a, a little bit more spontaneous. We were like, oh, we can do this. So why not, right? I'm hoping for the next one for it to be a little bit of a bigger um, group. Not just a trio, maybe a quartet or add a horn or something like that. But yeah, hopefully we'll start working on that soon. It's nothing solid yet. <laughs> so let's say you're working full-time as a teacher at a school like after you finish your training at UBC mm -hmm. but you also want a creative life as artist musician vocalist Amber who can still put out albums and play gigs and do whatever you like how do you make sure that that still happens and who else do you need around you to make sure that happens is it a friend like Alvin who's always there is it some kind of other service? What what needs to happen to make sure that you'll have both of those things if you want that? Mm -hmm. uh, that is definitely what I want. Um, you're right. Having a friend like Alvin will definitely keep that <laughs> part of my life going. I think I thought like teaching would be like full on right away as soon as I graduate. But I was recently told that like there are a couple of op uh, options after I graduate. So I'm able to kind of you know, be a TOC, a substitute teacher for a while while I, you know, keep doing my own thing as an artist, which I really, really appreciated. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was an option. <laughs> I guess I just didn't think about it. I, it was just in full on like teacher mode, but I, I was really happy to hear that people still do that. You know, they have their teaching gig a couple days a week, but they're still able to work on their own projects, which is pretty much exactly what I wanted to do. The CAP program and the UBC programs are connected. So, you know, after you finish your your Bachelor of Music at CAP, you get pretty much another degree, like an education degree when you go to UBC for like a year. When I was at CAP, we actually took one course at UBC while I was there. And that kind of kind of solidified the relationship between CAP and UBC. You, I met a prof at UBC who is going to be my pretty much program coordinator once I'm there. So 
she was a really valuable person to meet um, when I was still at CAP, not at UBC yet. And because the programs are so intertwined, like the, this um, prof at UBC, she knows that all the people coming from CAP are, you know, they're trustworthy and they, they know their stuff, right? So it's, it's nice to have two programs that are, are connected because um, it's just really beneficial to getting your education degree. Okay, I want to ask you about some venues that you've performed at or maybe you've been around. Some of them I've heard you at these venues and some of them I've actually never been to them, but I know that you've played there. So if you've been there, just associate. Let me know whatever you remember or what what stands out to you about the experience you've had at these venues. The first one is the most recent one I heard you at, which is in the park in New West. Yeah, yeah. That was really fun. And I'm glad I saw you there. It was nice to see you. It was really just a, a cute venue, you know, it was outside, um, a, a nice little space that was decorated with lights and stuff, which was really, it, it felt really sweet and like a a really kind of like community kind of vibe. The only thing I would say about it is, you know, it is outside and uh, that was the first time I had performed outside in a, in a long time. <laughs> so the, the acoustics were a little bit throwing me off just because I was like, whoa, it's the sound isn't coming back. It's it's just gone. So that was the only thing that was like a little bit shocking to me. But other than that, it was it was a really nice place to perform. What about the Water Street Cafe? The Water Street Cafe. Oh my goodness, that's I think honestly one of my favorite places to perform. Um, Dave Sukula, he just creates such a a good space for live music, especially during COVID. Like, I don't know how they kept it going there. It was, it was so great though. And, you know, I felt so safe with the COVID restrictions. Like they had all the plexis up and like, you know, still kept people coming in. It's just a really comfortable, cozy space. And it's like a nice, a nice size audience. You know, it's not too small but it's not huge either and they're very like oftentimes very attentive and the people that come to watch sometimes like most of the time are people that you know and you invite but oftentimes there's people that come off the street and just walk in because they they want to see some live music which which is awesome (laughs) but it's such a it's such a nice space that's definitely one of my favorites you and alvin performed in a video this year for a project by the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra called Day of Music. And I wanted to know what is that beautiful location of that video? The location of that video, that's um, actually at my house here in Vancouver. Yeah, it's, we're so lucky to have that space. It's like a, it's like a sunroom, kind of like a greenhouse kind of. So we got a lot of plants in there. And a, a nice long table, and it was it was a good space for us because it's like kind of outdoors. You can open the door and stuff, and there's a screen and everything. Just because it was it was still during COVID, and you know we we're still wearing our masks. It was nice. It was easy for us to be kind of a little bit further apart, but you know still kind of indoors, which was ideal for that situation. I thought maybe it was, but I wasn't sure. But man, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah it's it's quite nice. I, I'm very lucky. Okay, Deep Cove Coffee House. Yes, yeah. Deep Cove Coffee House. Um, we played at 
feels like thousand years ago now, but it's a nice menu. It's, I believe it's a, a church and it's run by John. He was really nice to offer a gig. We opened for um, Triology when they played there and it was a nice big open space. Um, they like, I think Alvin just had to bring his amp and I brought my mic and everything else was like, we just had to plug it into their system there. Yeah, the sound was nice. It was a, it was it's a church, so it's a big kind of um, a little bit echoey room, but it was it was perfect for even just like a duo. They they loved hearing jazz, so that was that was really nice. It fits quite a large amount of people, so. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I'll have to make it out there at some point when they restart. I know they're still figuring out what to do. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... We were supposed to play another show there. I think we had booked it, like, way far in advance, but it ended up being during COVID, so... What is way far in advance to you? Oh, this one was, like, I think... I think their venue was booked until, like... It was, like, a year or so in advance. Yeah, a year is far even for me. I mean, I was in a band, and we used to maybe book six to nine months. Like, there's kind of a six-month rolling thing that we always tried to do, and then... There was a nine-month thing that we would do annually, so every September or October, that was festival booking time. Yeah. We would then write to all the festivals, which would happen in July and August, and then they would have their processing time of like three months or so, and then they would send us the offers in like January or February, but we would in September, we would start looking hard at next summer, which I guess was like nine months away. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... A hustle that way. Um, what group was this? Uh, my band is called Early Spirit. We started it in 2018. It's still active. Aiden Goheen replaced me in the band, which is amazing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked about this yet on the podcast. I'm really happy to. I had the best experience leaving a band that it is possible to have, I really believe. I'm so lucky because I know it doesn't always go that way. Oftentimes totally. when, you know, if you talk about a band, even one person leaving, but a band breaking up or something, you know, none of that, none of that happened here. And it was just so cool that it was, I mean, I've seen them perform this summer and it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It wasn't jazz. It was like folk rock. You know, there's like a rock rhythm section. There's violin, fiddling, Celtic music and singing. I love that. That sounds awesome. Why did you leave? Because of COVID, I realized something that I suspected about myself for a while, but I never had the opportunity to prove this to myself. And what I mean is... I've only ever been a professional performer up until 2020 in my life. That's like the only career I've had. I've maybe worked a total of like one year or less of other jobs than performing. So I didn't really stop to think about that too much because I started doing it when I was 15. And then COVID was my first chance to reflect on that, which is definitely a common story that many people share that they've had the chance to think about things in their lives like that. And what I realized was I don't really like touring and the extent to which I was doing it was like my limit. I couldn't tour more than that without realizing that I didn't like it. And what my limit was, was like, especially during the warm season, like May till September, we would go away almost every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we would never like tour for two or three weeks because most of our touring was in the province. We would, if we were flying somewhere, that was a big, big deal. 
Um, but that amount of travel was like, I already was thinking, oh, you know, some people love touring and traveling for performance and it's like the end unto itself. It's like, I want to have a performance career so that I can do that. And originally I was thinking, well, if that's not me, then I should let somebody else be in this role that exists and is good who would love that because that would be great for that person. It'd be a win-win. Uh, and it turned out that it was Aiden, which is it's kind of a halfway because like he's a teacher, right? He's gone through this program that we've been talking about. Um, so he's not available to tour, you know, year round to go away for two or three weeks, but he might be in the summer. And I know that, you know, he would love that just as much as he's a great teacher. So I'm who knows what where they're going to take it. Maybe they can level up their touring now. Totally. <laughs> was there anything you learned that was like that? Probably more just about myself as a performer, I think. Um, I think I struggled a lot with kind of just like the stage presence idea of performing. I'm not a super outgoing person. <laughs> so being a vocalist, I think that was a little bit hard for me to kind of find the the balance there. You know, having the the vocalist stage presence and also being myself. I think now I'm kind of realizing like I don't I don't need to have this, you know, on stage persona that's not me. Cause, you know, I see a lot of, of vocalists and I envy their ability to, you know, talk to the audience and like kinda be really natural on stage and I've just never felt that kind of natural flow. <laughs> so I think that was that was something that I realized more recently performing that um, is not something that I need to kind of put on. It can be more myself, I guess. That's really interesting. And it's a big hurdle, right? To realize that not only can you let go of the idea of putting something on, but that it might actually be better in the long run once it happens, because then people will experience you. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's still a work in progress, of course. <laughs> um. But, you know, hopefully it'll kind of settle in. It's also really interesting that the vocalist has like a typecasting thing where you're supposed to be that kind of extrovert. Yeah, right? It's, it's quite interesting. I might even say that there's something about this where I kind of identify it in reverse, where I play an instrument that is known as being a very introverted instrument, but I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's that's awesome, though, you know? And there's plenty of other bass players who approach playing the bass in a very outgoing way, too. So I've had lots of role models on that front, like from Jody to mm. whomever else. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else, but there's definitely a bunch of bass players who I've known as kind of being very animated. And mm. that's me. I can do that, too. I don't have to be like... Yeah, yeah, just kind of minding your own business. <laughs> what are your thoughts on finding that role model and being represented? I think it was really hard for me at the beginning to kind of see, you know, people that looked like me in the jazz scene, especially in Toronto and in Vancouver. So I think that was a little bit of a, a difficult thing for me at the beginning because I didn't really see, you know, I didn't see that many women. Um, I didn't see a lot of Asian women. So... That was definitely something for me that now, like where I am, I I want to kind of be that role model that 
that I wish I had seen, you know? It's, it's like, I just feel like everyone wants to, you know, see themselves in, in someone, right? So it's nice to, for everyone to be represented, which I think is, like, now that I'm in Vancouver and stuff, there's so many remarkable women in the, in the Vancouver jazz scene. Like you said, Jody is, like, someone I look up to so much. So that has really been, I think, um, really great for me to see, like, all these amazing women. They, they have been my role models. I think in our generation, it is, like, really possible, you know? There are so many people, like, and CAP is very diverse. It is more diverse <laughs> than, than um, many other schools. So I think that's, that's great. A couple of questions here that we could go out on. One of them was came to me today. I was listening to something that used to be an album that I listened to a lot around the time I was at CAP. Um, I used to listen to it when I was driving around in uh, my friend Madeline's car, often with a singer named Megan Gillespie, who we were all friends with, and we all went to high school together. And some of the things that they would play in the car a lot would be like the self-titled Beyonce album, which had just come out or something. And then Carmen McRae and Betty Carter duets. Ooh. So it doesn't have to be that particular group or album or anything, but like, what are some of those albums or artists that you have like a memorable experience like listening to or discovering from your time at CAP? Uh, like jazz or anything? Let's go anything. Anything. Okay. Uh, I started becoming friends with, you know, Alvin and the other people at CAP. So, he actually introduced me to a lot of music that I kind of now associate with my time there, <laughs> just because I listened to them a lot at the time. Um, one of the biggest ones would be my now favorite band, um, Lake Street Dive. Uh, their their new album had just come out, um, and you know I listened to it so much back then, and I still I still love them. They're still my favorite. Um, and a jazz one would probably be um, Diana Patton. He also introduced me to like more of her music. Um, the main one, If the Moon Turns Green, it's it's an amazing. I, she was one of the inspirations for our album, actually. So that was that was one of the big ones that I kind of relate to Cap. <laughs> There's a lot of people that I I want to play with from Cap as well. There's so many talented people at CAP, and my boyfriend, he's a drummer, so we like playing together every so often as well. Um, but it's just easy when you have your kind of your group, and it's like, ah. <laughs> you want to put out the bat signal here to see if those listening will hit you up and play a gig with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably know who they are. So <laughs> I think there's one, only one instrument that you play that you haven't mentioned so far yet amid it all and that is the ukulele <laughs> so do you still play ukulele a lot where are you at with ukulele um i'm not amazing you know i know i know a couple chords and it's good enough to like accompany myself um i wouldn't say i'm i'm a pro or anything it's definitely slowed down a little bit i think i used to play a lot of ukulele as kind of like you know when i used to Play music for fun. <laughs> I just had a big reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> you did. It was, 
<laughs> it was funny. Um, so that hasn't happened in a while, but you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make time for that now, you know, especially during the summer where, you know, I'm a little bit more, I have a little bit more time to do things that I like. So it's hard to kind of set, set time aside and be like, I'm going to just play whatever for fun. No agenda, you know? That's mainly what the ukulele is for me. <laughs> and to close it out here, I've got actually a favor. It's a song request because we're both going to be at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival. This episode is coming out before we're at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival. I okay. have a favorite standard, my favorite jazz standard of all time. And I've requested it for Alvin when he's performed with Will Clements before. And Alvin <laughs> is such a gentleman that he has honored that request for me and him and Will have of performed course. this song. So I'm going to ask you right now, right. when you go on stage after I open for you at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival, will you play I've Never Been In Love Before? I can definitely do that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> As part of our set? Sure. I should write that down so I don't forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. You better not forget. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in love before. All right. I, I really like that tune, too. Unbelievable. Well, thank you for that. And thanks again for taking the time to talk about what you're doing. And I can't wait to hear you perform at the festival. I can't wait to hear you perform, too. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. Follow the feed wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review if you can. Our website is rhythmchanges.ca. Rhythm Changes is a churn-off music production, and this podcast is recorded and edited by me, William Chernoff. Copyright 2021, Churnoff Music.